Corinthians chapter number 10. I'll just read the one verse, verse number four. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. And again, we're preaching on for the third time the weapons of our warfare. Father, we thank you for the word of God. Lord, we pray and ask that you'll anoint the preaching of the word tonight. Anoint our ears to hear it, our hearts to receive it. God, give us the grace to properly respond to the word of God. In this altar tonight, we would fully surrender, fully submit our lives unto you and your will. For us, for that truly indeed is what worship really is. Help us, O oh God, to conclude this service with true spiritual and biblical worship. For we're going to discover tonight that's one of the greatest weapons we've been given in our arsenal to defeat the devil. Grant it, we pray, in Jesus' mighty name. If you love the Lord, would you say amen? I think in the very first service, we spent the entirety of the first message laying the foreground, talking about uh, we do have a, a foe, an enemy, an adversary. And the Bible said he walketh about as a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. And he says that he is a liar, a thief, and a murderer. And so knowing everything we know about our foe and our enemy, the Bible said we're not ignorant of his devices and that we should be clothed with the whole armor of God that we may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. We talked about the wiles of the devil that word means a strategy, a campaign. And the devil has a, a strategy plotted against our life to defeat us and to destroy us. But we are more than conquerors. We're mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, the Bible said. And that phrase there in the Greek the pulling down means to pull down brick by brick, just dismantle something, one piece and one part at a time. We talked about we've been given weapons, and we have weaponry in this army to pull down or to dismantle Satan's strongholds against us, and we talked about the first weapon being his name. And I don't have time to re-preach it, but you can go back and look at uh, the second message. Uh, and I preached on the, the, the power of the name of Jesus. It's the only name you can call on that if you were lost, you could leave saved. It's the only name you can call on that if you were sick, you could leave well. It's the only name that you can mention and heaven pays attention and hell trembles at the same time. And then we talked about, and I closed in part two with this weapon, the weapon of, of prayer. We talked about uh, King Hezekiah prayed. Laid out that letter from Sennacherib before God in the temple, and that God heard his prayer. And one of the phrases that really stood out to me, and it says, And that night the angel of the Lord went out and slew 185,000 of the Assyrians, and behold, they were all dead corpses. And we talked about. Prayer is as powerful to a believer as the atomic bombs that were dropped upon Japan. There were two bombs dropped, one upon Hiroshima and one upon Nagasaki. And if you look up, if you Google 
185,000 dead, it's going to give you two accounts because that's a lot of dead people. That's a lot of dead people. It's going to give you two accounts, one in our text, and then the other one's going to be World War II. Two bombs dropped. There were approximately 185,000 people. The only way I correlated the two is I Googled 185,000 dead to try to do some research on just how significant that many dead people all at one time was. And God spoke to my heart and he said, I, I linked them two together because I want you to know that when you're fighting hell, your prayer is as, is as effective as a nuclear bomb. You know, if, you, if you're a nuclear power, you're supposed to be a world power. Do you know one man and God equates power? Thank God. Maybe that don't excite you as much as it does me. But if a man's in a war, he likes, he likes to know he's got a good arsenal on his side. Likes to know he's got a, a good armament, a good, uh, uh, you know, artillery backing him up. I want to talk to you tonight about the third weapon, and uh, I won't try to preach any more than, than this particular one because both this one and the next one I feel like God put in line. I'd preach a long time. If I tried to preach more than one, so I'm just going to preach the one tonight, the third one that I feel like God laid upon my heart considering the weapons of our warfare and uh, it's worship. I wanted, I wanted to preach after, after his name and after prayer, I wanted to, I wanted to speak on preaching. And I, I started titling these after his name. I titled the second one, Weaponized Prayer. And I wanted to call the next one weaponized preaching and then the next one weaponized worship. And I thought maybe I would conclude after that because those are the ones that God really burned in my spirit. But the Lord dealt with my heart and he said, nope, before you were a preacher, you were a worshiper. And most preaching is birthed out of an altar where you spent time worshiping. And he said, so you need to be a worshiper before you're a preacher. And so I, I swapped the order. Weaponized worship. In Genesis 22, and verse number one, it says, it came to pass after these things that God did tempt, and the word tempt there means to test, that God did test Abraham. Said unto him, Abraham, and he said, behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thine only son, Isaac, whom thou lovest, and get thee into the land of Moriah, and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, and saddled his ass, and took two of his young men with him. And Isaac his son, and claved the wood for the burnt offering, and rose up, and went up, or went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. It's the first mention, it's the first time the word worship is used in the Bible. It's right there in Genesis 22 and verse number 5. You study the Bible for very long and you read behind those that study the Bible, you will hear somebody make mention of the law of first mention in the Bible that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He, he changes not. So whenever God gives you a first, his first time, mentioning something, that that is going to be the same all the way through the Bible. He won't vary from that. That's, that's the way God moves. That's the way God operates because he, he doesn't change. He is 
the same. And so if you go by the law of first mention, then this would be a good type. And I, just to test it, just to prove it out, I searched other, many other occasions of the Bible through worship, and I found this emphasis in every case. So I want to bring it out to you tonight. He said to his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, I and the lamb will go yonder and worship, come again to you. I want you to notice right there that if you couple that with the verse in Hebrews, which is the book of, that speaks of the faith of the patriarch, said, By faith Abraham believed that God was able to raise his son from the dead when he offered him up unto God. So he comes to this conclusion, God has asked me to give my son, my only son, Isaac, the son that I love, the son of promise, to give him unto him as a burnt offering and a sacrifice. And God has told me through Isaac shall my seed be called and through Isaac, through my you know, uh, lineage, all the nations of the earth will be blessed. Uh, you're going to have to raise him from the dead. That's all there is to it. He had already ascertained that God don't lie and God can't fail. And if you want me to kill him, you're going to have to raise him up because the other promise you said is that the promise rests in Isaac. And I believe it. Man, there's a lot of faith in that. A lot of faith. Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid it upon his son Isaac. He took the fire in his hand and a knife. They went both of them together. Isaac spake unto Abraham his father and said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. He said, Behold the fire and the wood. Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went, both of them, together. In verse number eight, he didn't even know it. But man, was he prophesying. My son, God will provide for himself a lamb for a burnt offering. They came to the place which God had told him of, and Abraham built an altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son. Most scholars believe that Isaac was probably 30 years old. You can't convince me a man over 100 is going to wrestle a 30-year-old down, pin him to an altar, and tie him down. Can't be done. Somewhere along the way, Isaac figures out, it's me at the day. God asked you to, to sacrifice me, didn't he? God wants me as a sacrifice. Yeah. And at some point he said, yes, son, it's you. He lays down on the altar and binds him. Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham. And he said, here am I. He said, lay not thine hand upon the lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. As if God didn't already know. Did he not? Don't you know that if anybody knew that Abraham had enough faith to offer his son, why make him go through it? It wasn't to test God, it was to test Abraham. It was to let Abraham know that God truly is a provider. Yeah. It was also to teach Abraham what faith is. How do you know you have faith until you need God? How do you know you have faith until your faith is put to the test? God says, now I know that you fear God. Now Abraham knows that his faith is faith that he could trust. 
seeing thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went, took the ram, and offered him up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah Jireh, and said, to the, and it is said to this day in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. The angel of the Lord called unto Abraham out of heaven the second time and said, By myself have I sworn, saith the Lord. For because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven and as the sand which is by which is upon the seashore innumerable and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because thou hast obeyed my voice you know in the new testament it, it says in the book of hebrews when god could swear by no greater he swear by himself. That's right. God said, I can't think of anything else greater than myself. I'm telling you, I'm tacking my name to my promise. And if I don't do what I said I'll do, if that don't happen, then you can scratch my name out. You can say, I'm not God. And man, when I got a hold of that, when God gives us a promise, he has attached his name, his character, his reputation to it, and if God don't bring it to pass, he ain't God. <laughs> Woo! If he can't save you, he ain't God. If he can't heal you, he ain't God. If he can't fill you, he ain't God. If he can't deliver you, he ain't God. Right. But he can, but he can, but he can, but he can. Yeah. Amen. Thank God. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Yeah. That makes hell shake with fear. But he can, but he can, but he can, but he can. And I'll say, but he will, but he will, but he will, but he will. But he has, he has, he has, and he has. Thanks be to God. This text shows us what true weaponized worship is. Don't you know all hell was against Abraham? Don't you know that when God looked at Abraham and said, through you shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. What do you think the drought was about? What do you think the famine was all about? Paul said in his writing, we would have came to you time and again, but Satan hindered us. Right. Word hindered there was a military term and it meant to put a roadblock or to destroy a pass or to make a path uh, to where you couldn't get through. To put a, a blockade, to put a stronghold to where you can't go this way. And Paul, in our text, said the weapons of our warfare are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. How did he know God could do that? He said that because Satan hindered us, but he didn't stop us. We pulled down every stronghold brick by brick. God made a way. There's no temptation taking us, but that that is common unto man. But God will also, with the temptation, make a way of escape that you might be able to bear it. God will make a way. Yes, he will. Hallelujah to God. So we see in our text what true weaponized worship is. Worship is sacrifice. Worship is surrender. You know where that drought, where that famine came from? Hell itself. Why? Because he's got a wife. He's got a, 
a large group, a large following. They go down into Egypt to survive the famine, survive the drought. They're going to take on a pretty little Egyptian girl by the name of Hagar. And hell plots a plan. Just like he plotted a plan against Job and said, you, he said, well, a man served God or not. You let me take everything Job's got. You blessed him. He's got all the stuff a man could ever want to be happy. But if you let me take all his stuff, if you let me take all the blessings away, he'll curse you to your face. He took all of his stuff, uh, and the Lord said, what do you think about that? He didn't curse me. He said, well, skin for skin will a man give everything he's got to save his own self. Uh, you let me touch his flesh and bone. I'll make him curse you to your face. Uh, and he woke up the next morning. There was loathsome boils uh, on the scalp of his head, on the sole of his foot, uh, a loathsome disease that many scholars said lasted at least nine months. Uh, he looked like death, uh, warmed over, and his wife come up and said, Honey, we ain't got any kids. Uh, we don't have a house. We don't have any herds, uh, and we don't have no money. Why do you hang on to your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Where, do you, where did that thought originate from? Where did that thought come from? It come from Satan. I'll make him curse you to your face. It ain't flesh and blood you warned against. It wasn't his wife that thought or imagined none of that. She's hurting as bad as he is. I'm telling you where the thought came from. The same Satan that wanted Job to curse God had been talking to that woman as well. Say, won't you tell your husband, just give up, just curse God, and both of you lay down and die. She verbalized that. He said, honey, where did that come from? You speak like a foolish woman. I can't curse God. Had God blessed us? And shall we not also receive evil at his hand? He said, though the skin worms devour my flesh, yet in my flesh I'll see God. He said, I know my Redeemer lives. <laughs> he said, when he's through trying me, I'm coming out of this like pure gold. Woo, hallelujah. That is, you see that that's what true worship is. It's full, wholehearted surrender and, and, and sacrifice unto God. Why was the devil fighting against Abraham? Because uh, through Abraham's lineage, Christ was to be born. If I can stop him right now, dead in his track, I can stop him from serving God. I can somehow thwart, stop, uh, 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 eliminate God's plan. God has no plan B. That's right. That's good. Amen. That's good. God don't, he's never had a plan B. It started Jesus, the Lamb of God, slain from the foundation of the world. He called Abraham out that through his seed, Oh, yeah, they sojourned in that land for over 450 years. And then God raised Moses. Uh, God has no plan B. It's all in Jesus. And he told the devil what his plan was. And just like in John, he said, light has come into the world. And the darkness comprehended it not. The word comprehended don't mean to, to, to understand something. I don't comprehend what you say. That ain't what the word comprehend is interpreted there in the book of John. It's interpreted, the word comprehend means uh, light came into the world and the darkness could not stop or prevent the light. That's right. When you turn the light on, ain't nothing the darkness can do about it except go away. Light uh, defeats darkness. Light uh, drives darkness out. And when Christ comes, uh, there ain't nothing the devil can do to stop him. And so when God made a plan, he said to Satan, hey, take notes. I'm going to do this, 
and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this, and then I'll do this, and in the end, this is the way it's going to end up. And Satan said, okay, this is what I'll do to defeat Abraham. This is what, or this is what I'll do to beat Job. This is what I'll do to beat Abraham. This is what I'll do to stop Moses, the children of Israel. This is how I'll try to tempt Christ. This is how I'll try to stop the disciples. This is how I'll try to wear the church out so there won't be one left when he comes back. There is no plan B. Why? Because God can't lie and God won't fail. That's right. Thank God. He's got a plan, and there ain't nothing the devil can do to stop it. Hey, hallelujah to God. And what's true universally with God is true individually with God because that same God lives in me. Hallelujah. No wonder he said no weapon formed against you can prosper. You're more than a conqueror. Thanks be unto God who always causes us to triumph. In Christ. Why is he trying to stop Abraham in our text? It's obvious. He's God's man. There's all kind of tests that come his way. And on this one, God is showing us. God chose Isaac, the thing that Abraham loved more than anything else in the whole world. As a test of his faith, he said, give him to me. Not Ishmael, not what you and Sarah drummed up. Give me the thing that you deem to be miraculous. Give me the greatest blessing you've ever attained in your life. That's what I want. Worship is sacrifice. Brother C.D. Carley was my Sunday school teacher and he said, he told me, he said, Brother Eddie, God will always bless a sacrifice. Always. If something costs you, if you give sacrificially unto God, if you do something, whether it be prayer and fasting, whether it be giving God your time in the study of his word, whether it be faithfulness to the house of God, because he knew we were driving an hour one way to go to church and to never miss a service, and to never miss Sunday school, and to be there a lot of times an hour before church started and maybe be the last ones to go home, he would say, God blesses sacrifice. Give God. Give to God. Give what? Give yourself to God. And watch what God will do with your life. I, I've never, that's, just a Sunday school teacher talking to his student. Just an old minister, an old retired minister talking to a boy that's just called to preach. Uh, give God a sacrifice and he will bless it. Yeah. Oh, wow, did that ever prove to be the truth in my life. We sing the song, we sang it here many times. You are worthy of it all. You were worthy of it all. For from you are all things. To you are all things. You deserve the glory. We like the from you are all things. We like that, don't we? Oh, God, for every good thing you've given me, for giving me, my Isaac, you are worthy of it all. But it's the two you are all things. <laughs> Say what? From you are all things. Glory. To you are all things. What is that? God said, that's the things I want you to give to me. From you are all things and to you are all things. You deserve the glory. We enjoy the from you are all things, but I don't think we really relate to the to you are all things part of worship. Worship is Job 1 and 20. Then Job arose and rent his mantle and shaved his head and fell down on the ground and, here's that word again, and worshiped. That's right. 
and said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return thither. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken from you are all things the Lord gives. And to you are all things the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. The Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. That's worship. Word worship is a Hebrew word shakal, and it means literally to be prostrate upon your face. To fall or to bow down, to make to stoop in worship. Do you know there's true worship and there's vain worship? You know what vain means? Empty. Void, lifeless, nothing in it. Matthew 15 and 1, then came Jesus to the scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem saying, or then, then came Jesus, then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees which were of Jerusalem saying, why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of, of the elders, for they wash not their hands when they eat bread. They were really worried about those men not washing their hands when they walked through a wheat field and picked off a kernel of wheat and popped it in their mouth. Look at them old sinful boys there. Popping them kernels of wheat in their mouth with those filthy hands. They felt like if you put something filthy inside your body, it defiled you spiritually. That's right. <laughs> he answered and said unto them, he answered a question with a question. Yeah. Why do ye also transgress the commandment, not the tradition of the elders, but why do ye also transgress the commandment of God by your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and mother. He that curseth father or mother, let him die the death. But ye say, whosoever shall say to his father or his mother, it is a gift by whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect by your tradition. Ye hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy of you, saying, This people draweth nigh unto me with their mouth and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. There is such a thing as vain worship. I want to tell you, any life that violates the commandments of God and continues to worship God God said is vain worship. You can draw nigh to God with your mouth. You can have you a video board in the back. I'm telling you with a red, white, and blue flag streaming or, or, or a rainbow in the background or a beautiful backdrop if you want to. You can have the finest praise and worship band. They can all be jumping, doing the hippity hop and singing the latest tune. Whatever that is. But if they don't live a life pleasing to God, it's all just a bunch of noise to God. I've been in too many churches, you know, where they're doing whatever they're doing. They're all chanting, they're all dancing, and somebody's stealing the money. Somebody's, uh, you know, uh, living with somebody out of wedlock, and, and somebody's uh, stepping into another man's wife uh, or another man's husband, and they're, and they're doing all that over the top of it. God sees it the whole while. God knows it's there the whole time. He ain't interested in it. Amen. He's grieved by the sin, but when I say he ain't interested in it, he don't care what you sing. He cares if you love him enough to live for him. Yes. Worship costs you something. True worship does. You know worship's either vain or it's true. 
He said, the, the hour is, or the time will come and now is when the true worshiper shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. I looked that up. What is it to worship God in spirit? You can look it up for yourself. It's the Greek word pneuma. Anytime you read that word new, we, we call it pneumatic. Yeah. You read something's pneumatic, it's, it's driven by air or wind. That pneuma is the word for wind, the wind of the spirit. And according to Thayer's definition of the Greek, the word pneuma is the third person of the triune God, the Holy Spirit. That's what pneuma is. The third person of the triune God, the Holy Spirit. You must worship God in the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, no man can call me Lord, but by the Holy Ghost. Amen. You got to worship God in the Holy Ghost. And of worship ain't a lie, Brother Zane preached. If worship is not birthed or produced from a life being led by, filled with, and controlled of the Holy Spirit of God, it ain't worship. Hallelujah. Woo, hallelujah. I want to tell you, if you, if you miss that revival, re-listen to those. If you came to the revival, re-listen to those. And man, that Wednesday night service, worthy is the Lamb. Worthy is the Lamb. Man, I, I don't know that I've ever heard a more impactful message ever preached by nobody than that message. Worthy is the Lamb. Listen, they that work true worshipers must worship him in spirit. That is in the spirit and in truth. The word truth there is the, the, the Greek word aletheia and it means uh, what is true in any matter that's under consideration of a truth in reality, in fact, or in certainty. What is true in things appertaining to God and the duties of man, moral and religious truth. You've got to worship me in the spirit and you've got to walk in truth. You can't live a lie and worship God. Worship is totally foreign to Satan. Music ain't, but worship is. Oh man, I knew the Holy Ghost was talking to me when I was writing this. Worship was something that confused Satan because he was obviously lousy at it. Do you know that Satan is referred to as Lucifer? Lucifer was a covering cherub of God, meaning he was one of the cherubims that blew over the throne and covered God. One of those that cry holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Amen. Anybody ought to knew what worship was, it should have been old Lucifer. It's what he was assigned to be, was a worshiper. It's what he was assigned to do, was worship. And the Bible said that Lucifer, as the covering cherub, had within himself. Pipes, tablets, and organs. Lucifer's body was an instrument of worship. I mean, can you imagine when old Lucifer was flapping those, he's like the seraphim, if the covering wings of the cherub, that, that, that's symbolic of those that cover the mercy seat. The wings there were, those wings were flapping back and forth. He's crying, holy. There's tabrets and a piano and an organ all going in the background. 
Maybe it sounded a lot like what Kirsten was singing tonight. Holy, holy, holy. Holy, holy, holy. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Woo! He's leading all of heaven in worship. Music, Brother Bob, is emanating out of his body. That ain't good enough for Satan. I don't cut it for old Lucifer. He couldn't surrender and submit to God because he is a thief. Worship to him was a lie because he is a liar. And when he speaks a lie, Jesus said he speaks his own. Because he's a liar from the very beginning. He went all the way back to when Lucifer was over that throne. Worshiping God. God sitting underneath him. Liar. You liar. Your day's coming. And Jesus said, I was there. When we kicked him out. Get out of here. Your kind can't be in my presence anymore. A lie can't abide in truth. Woo! Darkness can't stay where the light is. Get out! <laughs> Woo! I'm walking in victory tonight. I know there'll be some kind of battle tomorrow, maybe. I ain't trying to prophesy no gloom and doom over my own self. I'm just telling you, we're in a war. No more than a, a Marine that you ship over to Iran, Iraq, or Afghanistan. He'd be kidding himself to think we're going over here to hostile territory. We're going right into the enemy's backyard. But don't worry, we ain't never going to be fired on. Never going to come across an ID. Everybody's going to think we're good guys and they're going to love on us. No, I know I'm in a war. And I know that if I live to see tomorrow, he said, be sober, be vigilant, because you have an adversary and he's trying to kill you. But I've made you more than a conqueror. This is a battle that you'll win, that you'll fight. I gave you weaponry. Use my name. Pray. And worship. Hallelujah. Do these things and you'll do him more damage than he does you. Do these things and you won't lose. Glory. He wanted to usurp or to claim God's worship for himself. He said, I will be like the most high God. I will make my throne in the sides of the north, in the city of the great king. And the Bible said he lured a third of the angels away from God's throne to come and worship him. I mean, how dumb can you be? It just goes to show you that if Satan can lure away a third of heaven's angels in heaven, in the very presence of the throne room of God, be wary. Be sober, be vigilant, because he'll do the same to you if you're not careful. Amen. What is worship? Worship is surrender, is submission. Satan obviously was lousy at it. He was equipped for it. He was made for it, but he could not surrender and submit, so he could not worship. You're out. And I'll tell you a secret. Why he hates your natural born guts is because when God wrote out the, the, his plan and that in the end, Brother Jonathan, he said, got a replacement for you. Because a lot of people say, well, if I leave, this whole thing's going to shut down. I was told one time, you be very careful what choice you make because if you don't do this, we're out. And if we're out... I don't think this church can stay open without my tithe. That's what he said. 
I said, well, I ain't got no choice to make because I ain't the one leaving. I'm going to be here. You got the choice to make. That's to keep on following God or, or have it your way. This ain't Burger King. I wasn't worried about when they left. I was sad when they left because I don't ever want nobody to leave. I was sad when they left. I cried for about two months after they left until one night staring at the ceiling, dark, pitch black, dark, Kim sound asleep. I'm laying in the bed, staring up into the darkness, tears running down. The Lord said, what do you think they're doing right now? Them. I said, sleeping. He said, yep. He said, you think they're worried about if the place is going to stay open or not? They think you're worried about if your family's going to eat tomorrow? I said, no, Lord, they ain't worried about that. They sleeping like babies tonight. They already in another congregation. Right on. He said, go to sleep. Don't worry about it no more. Be all right. It's like somebody just lifted a weight off of me. I went to sleep. Oh, that means you don't love them no more. That ain't what it meant. It just meant my surrender's unto God. My will's to do him who called me and who sent me. So listen, your test is going to come. God's going to see who, who you're going to surrender and who you're going to submit to. Satan was lousy at his job. And God wrote out a plan. He said, I got a replacement for you. It's going to be the church. As the Bible said, John said, I saw in the heaven all around that throne like a sea of glass and cast their crowns at his feet. They sung a new song. What were they saying? Worthy. Worthy. Satan got fired and we got hired. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Satan got fired and we got hired. No wonder he hates me because I took his place. Hallelujah. I ain't got no pipes or tablets or organs built in. Just the pipe that called the windpipe. And with my voice, I'll raise it unto God in adoration. Yes, sir. I ain't got no instruments but just two hands to clap. Amen. Worthy is the Lamb. Praise be unto God. Yes. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Listen, Job defeated Satan's plan and agenda the same way Abraham did through surrender and submission unto God. Satan doesn't know anything about those two words, surrender and submission. He said, will a man serve God for naught? Will a man serve God for nothing? Because all Satan knows is what's in it for me. What in it is going to profit me or what in it is going to make me feel good? That's Satan. Will a man serve God for nothing? And I preached a message years ago, thanks for nothing, using that for my text. Serve God for nothing? Is Calvary nothing? Come on. Jesus was Abraham's ram in the thicket. Right. He named that mountain, or he named that place Jehovah Jireh. And that means the Lord will provide, or the Lord our provision. Our God has given himself as our provision. All the promises of God are in him. I want to ask you, are all God's promises nothing? Will a man serve God for nothing? Nothing. What are you talking about? I'm serving God for everything. Every promise is in him. Yes. And in him, amen. amen. And you ask me, am I serving God for nothing? I'm serving God. I've got eternal life. I'm yeah. serving God. I've got healing. I'm serving God. I've got the power of the Holy Ghost. 
man serve God or nothing. When you serve God, you got everything. God emptied heaven to pay for the soul of man. It cost him everything. So what if he asks you for something in return? So what? You know what amen means? So be it. Every promise is in him, yes, and also in him, amen. The yes is, I'm going to give you everything. Yes, 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 yes. I want you to give me your life back, all of your life, all your heart, all your soul, all your strength, all your mind. Amen. So be it. Amen. I need more of it. I certainly need hope. And I need more of it. 
But why is love greater than faith and greater than hope? He said, faith and hope are yours to possess. Yours and yours alone. Brother Daniel, I can't give you my faith. You can't give me yours. If you're going through the worst trial of your life, I can believe with you. But I can't believe for you. You're going to have to believe him for yourself, ain't you? Yeah. If that wasn't the case, and Brother Daniel didn't believe in Jesus as a Savior, I'd just say, well, I'm, I'm believing for him. I'm going to believe that God has saved him, but Brother Daniel don't believe for himself. I can believe for him all I want, but if he don't believe for himself, he ain't saved. Right. For with his heart, he believes, and with his mouth, he confesses. God said, faith is yours. Hope is yours. I can't give you the hope that I possess. I can tell you about the hope that I possess. And if you believe on it, God can fill your heart with hope. But you know what the thing about love? Is I give love away. I give love away all the time. That's what love's meant to It's not to hoard up. The love of God's meant to be given away. So them two boys that were sitting by Brother Ed Wilson this morning, you can't possibly know how wrecked their lives have been. Love is meant to be given away so that people with wrecked lives know what it's like to experience the love of God, to be redeemed, to be made new. Only then can they possess faith and hope. Faith is what I possess. Hope is what I possess. But love is the only one of the three that I can give it away to you. Second Chronicles, I'm closing, chapter 20 and verse 14. Then upon Jehaziel, the son of Zechariah, the son of Benaiah, the son of Jael, the son of Mattaniah, a Levite, the sons of Asaph, came the Spirit of the Lord in the midst of the congregation. You want to know what Asaph was? He's a worship leader. David's worship leader. King David's worship leader. Asaph, his great, great, great grandson. This come out of the mouth of a worship leader's great, great, great grandson who's probably, most likely, generations down the road, a worship leader. God showed me that too. He said, hearken ye all Judah. Do you know the people that he's talking to? Or the people of Judah. Do you know what Judah means? Praise. Praise or worship unto God. Hearken ye all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem and our King Jehoshaphat. Thus saith the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours but God's. Tomorrow go ye down against them. Behold, they come up by the cliff of Ziz, and ye shall find them at the end of the brook before the wilderness of Jerusalem. Ye shall not need to fight in this battle. Set yourselves Stand ye still and see the salvation of the Lord with you, O Judah and Jerusalem. Fear not, nor be dismayed. Tomorrow go out against them, for the Lord will be with you. And Jehoshaphat bowed his head with his face to the ground. What did I say? The word worship means in Hebrew to bow down. And Jehoshaphat worshiped with his head or with his face to the ground and all Judah and the inhabitants of Jerusalem fell before the Lord, worshiping the Lord. And the Levites of the children of the Kohathites and of the children of the Korites stood up to praise the Lord God of Israel with a loud voice on high. And they rose early in the morning and went forth into the wilderness of Tekoa. And they went forth, as they went forth, Jehoshaphat stood and said, Hear me! 
O Judah, and the inhabitants of Jerusalem, believe in the Lord your God. So shall you be established. Believe his prophets. So shall you prosper. And when he had consulted with the people, he appointed singers unto the Lord. And that should praise the beauty of his holiness uh, as they went out before the army and to say, Praise the Lord, for his mercy endureth forever. And when they begun, or when, when they began to sing and to praise the Lord, set uh, ambushments uh, against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Seir, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. For the children of Ammon and Moab stood up against the inhabitants of Mount Seir, utterly to slay and to destroy them. And when they had made an end of the inhabitants of Seir, everyone helped uh, to destroy another. And when Judah came toward the watch over in the wilderness, they looked unto the multitude, and behold, they were dead bodies fallen to the earth, and none escaped. And when Jehoshaphat and his people came to take away the spoil of them, they found among them in abundance both riches with the dead bodies and precious jewels, which they stripped off for themselves more than they could carry away. And there were three days in gathering the spoil. It was so much. And on the fourth day they assembled themselves in the valley of Baraka. For there they blessed the Lord. Therefore the name of the same place was called the valley of Baraka unto this day. It's, it comes from the Hebrew word Barak, and it means to bless the Lord or to bow down. It's a, it's a synonym for worship there. They worship the Lord for all the spoils of victory. Then they returned every man of Judah and Jerusalem and Jehoshaphat in the forefront of them to go again to Jerusalem with joy. For the Lord had made them to rejoice over their enemies, and they came to Jerusalem with psalteries and harps and trumpets under the house of the Lord and the fear of God was on all the kingdoms of those countries when they had heard that the Lord fought against the enemies of Israel. When they learned to submit and to sacrifice and to surrender their lives unto God, God received it as worship. And he said, this ain't your battle anyway. It's mine. You're just doing what I called you to do. You're just doing what's required of you. I just want you to love me is what he said. I want you to love me enough to obey me. I want you to love me enough to do whatever I ask you to do, no matter what it costs you. And when you run headlong into the devil, don't worry about him. I'll take care of him for you. You just keep on loving me. I feel like I'm talking to somebody tonight. You don't worry about him. You just keep on loving me. I'll take care of him. Thank you, Lord. Stand with me if you're able tonight. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, I've loved you, saith the Lord. I've given you all that I can give. I've given unto you my son, my only son, whom I love, who died for you, for your sin, who took your sin upon his own body upon the tree and there nailed it to the cross. Buried it in a tomb and rose for you on the third day, victorious, giving unto you my eternal redemption, giving unto you every promise. 
Behold, what promise is there that I withheld from my people, saith the Lord? What good thing have I not given unto those who love me? I ask of you this night, saith God, to love me, to simply love me with your all in return. For I have shown you the same love, a love that gives all, a love that has paid the greatest price, a love that has spared no expense, a love that has left out no detail, a love that has traveled the greatest distance to purchase the lowest among you, saith God. Will you not love me in return with the greatest love that you have to offer? Will you not worship me with your whole heart, saith the Lord, in spirit and in truth? And I say unto you that if you will, but love me with your all, saith God, that I will indeed fight your battles and ye shall know the victory that is the heritage of every child of God, saith the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Om Baba Hati Hende Sula Bakusi Yamandosa